In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. During these final weeks of the liturgical year, our Lord has been helping us to accelerate into the finish. And now we finally reach that moment, the, the culmination in this feast of Christ the King. Thank goodness for these liturgical seasons. Here we are finishing up this entire year, this liturgical year, and a week from now entering into a brand new year. We need these seasons. Our mother, the church, understands this. It is really hard to imagine how drab and flat the year would be if we did not have this ebb and flow of the times of the year marked out by the liturgy. This feast, the Solemnity of Christ the King, is the crowning feast of the year. You could say that it propels us into the new liturgical year. As St. Josemaria often reminded us, we can't just fall into the next season. Rather, we have to take advantage of this, this cyclical turn of events in order to begin again with renewed spirit, with a desire for genuine renewal. That is why during this time of prayer, we can ask the Lord for this great sense, a deep sense of starting afresh, of forming new resolutions, of rejuvenating our step into this new year. The Feast of Christ the King brings to a close this liturgical year by placing our king front and center. The feast day involves us a lot. And that is because our Lord's way of exercising his kingship is so different from other, any other kind of kingship. And that is because his goal is not to be admired from a distance, but rather he is determined to make us sharers in his kingship. And our way of doing this is above all a matter of acquiring dominion over ourselves. It is a great concept, it is a great reality to take control. Now first thought could be, I am in control. But how much it helps us to, in, to stop and envision ourselves as royalty. Because that, of course, changes everything. To the extent that we are seeing ourselves as royalty, whether it comes at that moment when we get out of bed in the morning, we walk out the door heading to work, 
our way of dealing with anyone and everyone. If we see ourselves as royalty, we change the way we, we do everything. And that is what this feast means for us. In a very real sense, St. Josemaria is getting at this without using those terms. In that point in the very first chapter of the way, when he says, get rid of that small town outlook, enlarge your heart until it becomes universal, Catholic. Don't flutter about like a hen when you can soar to the heights of an eagle. We can say that this feast day is the call to unleash all the potential of what it means to be a child of God. That means that during these final days of the liturgical year, leading up to the first Sunday of Advent, we can do a very real preparation. Those who are getting ready to run the marathon, they have a very, very strict, structured preparation. Diet, stretching. We can do the same thing. We can have a kind of, not spring cleaning, but advent cleaning spirit as we get ready for the new year, as we get ready for Advent. We can go looking and throwing out moldy attitudes, tired routines, perhaps a half-hearted approach to work. Whatever it takes in order to exercise the freedom of the children of God. To say to ourselves and to say to the Lord right now, I am free. I am free to rise to the occasion. This is precisely the point in that great book we have referred to before, the book by Dietrich von Hildebrand called Transformation in Christ. But right at the beginning of the book, he talks about the importance of being willing to rise above our nature and to hold ourselves ready for coinage by the Spirit of Christ. Now, we never use the word coinage. He's talking about presenting to the Lord this piece of metal, our soul, that can then be stamped turned into a coin. Coin, and on the face of the coin, Christ the King. But it all comes down to this willingness, this eagerness, to rise above the normal humdrum, if we do humdrum at all, and hold ourselves ready to offer to the Lord a, a marvelous flexibility. Or as von Hildebrand puts it, an unlimited readiness to change. We have to be like soft wax, ready, that piece of metal, ready to receive the imprint of the features of Christ. Now we do all this out of love, otherwise it doesn't work. We do it because we love our Lord Jesus Christ. 
because we love this goal of ours of doing whatever it takes to more and more come to resemble him. One writer puts it, as quoted by the Holy Father in Christus Vivit, his most recent document, what you are in love with, what seizes your imagination, will affect everything. It will decide what, you, what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, whom you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love, stay in love, and it will decide everything. When we say, I want Christ to reign, R-E-I-G-N, I want him to exercise his kingship in my own life, this is what we're saying. We say we want to fall in love with him, because that will affect everything. When we wake up first thing in the morning and we have that thought, my Jesus, I know that you are waiting there. You want to talk to me in my prayer. I can't wait to be with you in the Mass. That will determine what will get us out of bed in the morning. Whereas if we did not have that kind of ideal, that someone, someone waiting for us, all bets are off, to put it mildly. One of the ways in which we can have this sense of renewal, of taking control, the control of a child of God who shares in Christ's kingship, has to do with our friendships. It is all too easy, far too easy, to allow days and weeks and months to pass by without exercising the spontaneity and the source of initiative that is proper of a king, of royalty. The prelate of Opus Dei, he just wrote a letter, a very beautiful letter, dated November 1st, about friendship. At one point in number 13, he speaks about bringing about the sort of environment in which fruitful friendships can grow. To do that, we need to foster personal spontaneity, initiative. These two qualities, spontaneity and initiative, will not grow by inertia in just any surroundings. They have to be nurtured and, and people have to be encouraged to show themselves as they really are. We can stop in our own prayer right now and just think about the way that we nurture our friendships. And perhaps even as we talk things over with the Lord, two or three or four friends will come to mind. Friends with whom we can exercise this kind of spontaneity and initiative and determine later to, to later to later in the day to reach out to them in one way or another to surprise them and why because we are royalty and we have every right we have the duty to deal with those friends as royalty
There is a, a powerful section in that very same letter of the prelate in which he talks about something that could, could ruin everything. It could inhibit that royalty. At one point he says, there are certain ways of expressing oneself that can disturb or hinder the creation of an environment of friendship. For example, being overly emphatic in expressing one's own opinion. We're giving the impression that we think our own viewpoints are the definitive ones. Or not taking an active interest in what the others say. Ways of acting that enclose a person in himself and herself. At times, these types of behavior show an inability to distinguish what is a matter of opinion from what is not, or the failure to give a relative value to topics that don't necessarily have only one solution. What the prelate is getting at here is the importance of exercising that self-dominion, self-control, ultimately so that we learn how to be quiet at times, how to listen, how to respect the opinion of others, how to rejoice in their exercising their freedom as royalty, rather than inhibiting free-flowing conversation. We were talking earlier about the importance of beginning again, this youthful spring cleaning, so to speak. A lot of that is a matter of detecting, with the, the grace of the Holy Spirit, those parts of our life that need that kind of cleaning, where perhaps different signs of, of old age <clears throat> have been cropping up. Symptoms of old age can crop up in a 16-year-old, let's face it, because those symptoms have to do with, with rigidity, with losing that flexibility that Dietrich von Hildebrand, Hildebrand was talking about here, where he says flexibility, unlimited readiness to change, a state of fluidity, to be like soft wax. The last thing we need or anyone around us needs is a hardening. If today you hear his, hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Is there any hardening that is taking place in my interior? My imagination, control of my memory, attitudes, curiosity. It is possible to lose the kind of dominion that we are called to have and end up being bullied by what is taking place on the inside. If we end up developing hardened attitudes towards individuals and we refuse to let go, that is a sign of the need for great renewal. Kingship equals self-dominion. 
That means refusing to be bullied by our imagination, by our memory. Certainly, we cannot allow ourselves to be pushed around by our whims or impulses. When there is a lack of this kind of self-dominion, it is far too easy to live in a superficial, agitated, disorderly, impulsive way. All we have to do is think about our way of working. Just take a snapshot of a a typical day of ourselves at our workplace. Do we exercise that self-dominion in simply the way, the time we arrive? Or are we on a day-to-day basis, are we regularly late for everything? Do we look ahead? Are we in control of things that we have to do? Or are we always putting out fires? Are we typically agitated? Because we're not supposed to be agitated. Disorderly, impulsive. All of that, which, all of those very bad things, which would be an indication that we are not truly centered on our heart, where God is dwelling. Very interesting moment of exercising our self-dominion in moments of of temptation of whatever type. Because the temptation can come via our imagination or our memory, for starters. That is a moment for us to stop and to say, okay, fine. So that is what I'm being tempted with by my imagination. But I can either give in to that imagination, that faculty of me, of mine, or I can, I can determine what I want. And when we put it that way to ourselves, then it is that much easier to say, wait a minute. I'm going to choose that which I want. Rather than being bullied by what my imagination or that that bodily desire, that craving for that box of chocolates or whatever. Because I'm the one in control. And therefore, forget it. Let us be very excited about this new year. It is so important, psychologically, to approach a new year with this renewed desire to struggle. Because that desire, that attitude, gives freshness. You may have heard the the anecdote from the life of St. Josemaria, when he would love to say, a new year, a new struggle. A new year, a renewed struggle, a renewed effort to go higher, to fly like an eagle. Someone who knows who, who knows where, years ago said, well, a different version of that, which is all too typical of us, is a new year, a new quirk. That, of course, would be a sign of, of, of aging, a bad sign. 
Because as people, as they get older, they, the tendency is to add one or two or three quirks each year. So that by the time they reach a, a ripe old age, they are just, uh, let's just say that they have, they have accumulated quite a few quirks. There is a moment in Evelyn Waugh's Brides Had Revisited, very early on in the book, where he quotes the, one of the main protagonists saying the following. This is someone, a soldier, an officer in the British Army, who says, here at the age of 39, I began to be old. I felt stiff and weary in the evenings and reluctant to go out of the camp. I developed proprietary claims to certain chairs and newspapers. I regularly drank three glasses of gin before dinner, never more, never less. I went to bed immediately after the nine o'clock news. I was always awake and fretful an hour before Reveille. Well, let's face it, it is a remarkable, uh, it's a remarkable summary of what can happen when we lose this desire to always begin again. That is why we have to be so very eager, so excited about this new liturgical year, because it is really the fountain of youth. We can say to Our Lady, help me to have that that great love for renewal, that zest, that zest that will propel me towards the finish line, the finish line of this liturgical year and the finish line of my life, constantly renewing myself. Because in that way, that I can, then I can give myself to those around me, to the whole church, the entire world, as someone who is so very, very young, no matter how old I am, young, filled with ideas, above, above all, filled with that desire to, our, to embody our Lord's kingship in the very same way that he did. After all, he is the one who said, I have come not to be served, but to serve. That was his way of teaching us what it means to reign, to exercise our kingship. We ask Our Lady, as we finish this time of prayer, to help us to go on a search and destroy mission to detect anything that might become old, that might detract from that great sense of, new, of newness, of youthfulness. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.